up, world? To pass first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond, listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, and now also on YouTube. Thanks for making Lockdown Blaze your first listen every single day. Free on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you every single weekday. Make it your first listen and make it a part of your daily routine. And then tell your pals to do the same. Today's show brought to you by Bet Online. More props, more lines, more odds than ever before. Check it out at betonline.net. We got a fun show for you today. I've been watching the NBA playoffs and I come back with, with lessons learned. For the play, for the Trailblazers, what what I've been watching the really good teams play. I love the second round of the playoffs. I, I, I truly do. Um, it's my favorite time of the year, probably. You get games every night. You're down to eight eight teams. No frauds left, or or or, or not, not even no frauds left. Like no teams that have basically no shot left. Like it's everybody's good. Nobody's faking the funk right now. Philly might be faking the faking the funk, but that's because they got some. Their MVP is injured. The MVP maybe is injured. Uh, so. Like I love this time of year, and 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 some of the thing that I'm sort of doing, the scouting from my couch that I'm doing is is watching these games and thinking about them through the lens of, quite frankly, someone who cranks out a lot of audio content uh, about the Portland Trailblazers and video content too. Thanks for subscribing to the YouTube channel. I really appreciate everybody, no matter how you consume uh, Locked On Blazers. So let's let's talk about lessons learned. Uh, and the and the first lesson I learned, and we'll do a couple of these. We'll talk about where the Blazers kind of stack up. Because I've been thinking about how the t- the road back to where they want to be, uh, but the the first lesson learned came kind of has come to me watching the Eastern Conference playoffs and watching specifically the Miami Heat today tonight the Miami Heat uh, went up go up 2-0. I'm recording this on Wednesday May 4th. This is Thursday May 5th show. Thanks for listening five days a week wherever you get podcasts. But I was, I'm I'm watching I'm watching the Heat. They go nine deep. They play nine guys. Most most teams play eight or nine guys in 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 the playoffs. Some teams go as shallow as seven, but nine man rotation is about as deep as you're going to see from any of the playoff rotations. And they the, the Heat go nine deep. They go nine deep without Kyle Lowry, and they go nine deep without playing Duncan Robinson. We've talked a little bit about Duncan Robinson on on uh, this podcast in the past that you know he's he hasn't been playing a bunch, and when a guy isn't playing and, and getting paid like that, you know, maybe the, the writings on the wall that, that there's a departure in the future. But, but the thing that made me that I'm sort of thinking, seeing this is like Duncan Robinson is good. Like we know he's good. He has, he has a legit, like he is one of the best shooters off of movement in the league, like coming off screens um, and scaring people coming off screens because it, you know, he can fly around and, and, and bends and breaks defenses by just, by just moving off the ball. And the threat of his shooting is scary. But as we've talked about here on the pod before, playing the hits for you, weaknesses get weaker in the playoffs. And Duncan Robinson's defensive deficiencies are not worth the trade-off of what he brings on offense, particularly because he's playing alongside Tyler Hero, who also has his own de- defensive deficiencies. But Tyler Hero has a lot of shot creation, and he's like really, really important to the Heat's half-court offense. And what they have decided is that trade-off of putting two bad defenders on the court is not worth it. They'd rather just roll with uh, the Max Struces and the Gabe Vincents of the world of those spots, guys who are more competitive on defense. And just if they're going to have one guy who's going to get targeted on defense, have him be the best shot, best half-court shot creator on the team. That's going to be hero. Duncan Robinson is, is a guy who's killer in the regular season. And now you've gotten to the postseason, to the second round of the postseason, and he's I don't know if he's unplayable, but they have decided that he is not. The trade-off of his positives are not worth his perceived negatives. He is, uh, he is not 
to a team, you know, number one team in the East, a team chasing the championship, they are have the luxury of not having to play someone like him and the ability to not have to play someone like Duncan Robinson. Depth really matters because of that. We've talked about that in the past, but this isn't really about depth. This is the the difference between an 82-game player and a 16-game player. This is a, a, a phrase coined by, I believe, Draymond Green uh, in reference to Andre Iguodala. Might have been a, a Andre Iguodala in reference to Draymond Green. I forget exactly where it came from. But the 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 idea that there are some guys built for the, for the regular season, for the 82-game regular season, and I think that's Duncan Robinson. He'll kick your ass in the regular season because you don't match up Hunt the same way. You're not as hyper-specific on, on opponents in the same way. And you're, just, you're not playing really good teams every night. There's, you're, you're playing the other half of the league, the 14 teams that don't make the playoffs that aren't very good. And when you get into the second round, you know, you're, you're 22 teams are at home. So like it, it, it keeps ratcheting up. Like, you know, the level of play keeps getting a little higher and it's like, Oh, we're really good. They're great. You know, you kind of, you're kind of seeing that uh, throughout the playoffs. It's like, Oh, that's, that's the next level there. I think Dallas is seeing that with Phoenix right now. It's like, we're Dallas is a really good team they're not a great team and that 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 sort of that gap is there and and then this is Duncan Robinson is is a sort of a reminder of this is that there's an 82 game regular season where where there are skills that matter and skill sets that matter and then there are 16 the 16 game regular 16 game 16 games to win the uh, NBA finals you need to win f- four games four times you need 16 wins to get to get a ring those 16 game players that is just a different beast and that has me thinking how many players on the Blazers roster right now are 16 game players uh, that that's kind of the, I'm watching Duncan Robinson ride the pine and I'm thinking like who on the Blazers might find themselves there Damon Lord is a, is a 16 game player. Not worried about him. Uh, I think Josh Hart is a 16 game player. Uh, I think that's no question. I think Anthony Simons is a 16 game player for what he brings. But I think there's a scenario in which Anthony Simons is as is not not so much he is specifically a defensive liability, but much in the same way of Duncan Robinson is that his defensive him. Ant as a defensive liability next to Dame, who is a defensive liability, becomes untenable at a certain point in the playoffs, and you have to make a choice, and you're always going to choose Dame because he's better. It's why Ant's progression on defense is going to be incredibly important. Um, he's got a long way to go there. I think um, I think other Blazer people, other Blazer fans, and specifically, are maybe a little higher on Ant's defensive potential than I am. I think he's bad on defense. Um, I think he's I think he's I think he has a lot of strides to make, and I'm and I'm watching the Heat make these decisions and thinking do the Blazers have to make the same things I I don't think they're gonna like the Blazers are a long way away from there to be clear like they need to get the 82 game part right before they worry about the 16 the 16 win part right um the 16 game portion of the schedule but like yeah, I think there is some concerns about that that spot. Uh, Ant strikes me as a guy who can be a 16 game player because shot creation is so important. But his, like I said, his his role next to Damian Lord ma- matters. Uh, the the two wings, you know, uh, that the Blazers are are leaning on right now, Justice Winslow and Nazir Little. I think in theory they both could be 16 game guys. I think Justice Winslow's lack of offensive like juice, like his lack of shooting and um, a little bit of like sort of creation to get his own buckets makes him somewhat of a liability in a 16 game setting, like in a, in a playoff setting for sure. And I, and i kind of feel the same way about Nazir little Nas, at least he, his volume of threes was a little higher than justice Winslow. So volume is sometimes more important, like willingness to shoot. Sometimes uh, people treat you like a shooter than just uh, then, than otherwise, but th- those are the guys that uh, good teams would help off in the playoffs. You can just watch it happen all over. Um, 
the Bucks tried to do it to Grant Williams in their playoff series. And what did Grant Williams do? He came back and hit a whole bunch of threes. So like you can punish them if teams are, you know, picking their poison. You you just got to become poisonous. I think I have more faith in Nas becoming that than Justice Winslow. But both of those guys, it strikes me as like some of their, they have to take strides to get to that next level. Um, I'm, I'm Like I said, I'm, I'm more comfortable saying that Nas can be a 16-game player like quickly quickly um he has some he has some sort of minor check marks to get there and i think he absolutely can be i'm not i do not have that same level of faith in winslow although i like him and the sort of switchability and the and the 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 strength and all those things like he strikes me as someone who could um in certain playoff matchups be really valuable but he's not a he is not an absolute lock and then that that brings us to the last guy um that's like really in the consideration all the young guys at the end of the bench are just not playoff guys Greg Brown, Keon Johnson, Didi Luzada, not playoff guys. I'm not, we don't have to worry about them. Uh, we, we just know that the, they're trying to become 82-game players first, and then we can worry about what they look like in the postseason. But Nurk, Nurk is really reliable, incredibly important. Uh, I, I kind of think right now he's a Blazers' second-best player, although Ant might quickly snatch that torch from him in October. Um, like I'm just talking like sort of two-way contributions. Maybe I don't mean that. I think it might be better. I don't know where I'm at on that. I, this I walked myself into a player ranking I don't even believe in. Ant is really Ant and Nurk are both really important. Uh, but we've seen in the playoffs that traditional centers can get um, c- can get schemed off the floor by teams that go small. Uh, Nurk is was building towards a guy who could be a little more punishing and and maybe be able to take advantage of teams that go small. But against really good teams who can spread you out, can you can you leave a traditional center on the floor? who knows so really when we're kind of dialing it in do the blazers have two two guys who you think could play in every every playoff series or like every crunch time moment of i I, like ant's gonna play a ton right but i'm talking like last four minutes three-point game type of thing do you need to make an offense defense decision there like i think damon and and josh hart are locks i'm not sure the blazers have among their core right now guys who are like absolute locks will be on the court when the game uh matters at it in a high level playoff game they're so far away from that being like a part of the consideration but i'm watching these playoff teams that that is on my mind 82 game players versus 16 game players i think the blazers are need to build a good 82 the 82 game portion of the roster needs to get dialed in first and then we can worry about it but I think certainly those are two. The increasingly postseason basketball is just a different flavor of the sport, uh, and your deficiencies and your deficiencies relative to the other deficiencies on your team show up louder, brighter, all of those things, bolder, all of those things. All right, I got another lesson from the playoffs. It's about staying big, and it's maybe a little bit hopeful for Yusuf Nurkic playing true to the Blazers' identity, playing true to your identity in the playoffs. Let's talk about that. Before, I want to tell you about Bet Online. It's the title sponsor of this podcast. It's a place we can get more lines, more props, more odds than ever before. You can bet on the NBA postseason all month long and into June. And, oh boy, it's going to be a whole bunch of fun. The NHL playoffs have kicked off. Uh, we've got soccer here and abroad. You can bet on every sport you're looking for. So don't wait. Go take advantage. Go to betonline.net. Let's bet online where the game starts. All right. So let's talk about more lessons from the playoffs. We talked about 82 game players versus 16, two game, 16 game players uh, in, in light of Duncan Robinson, the Miami Heat. But the other game tonight that I, that I watched, I had the pleasure of watching on my couch, was Suns Mavs. And that made me think of... One one particular thing stood out to me here. 
the Suns do what they do. Uh, in a previous version of this podcast, I talked about how important versatility is in the playoffs. Scheme versatility and the ability to play different shapes and sizes. The Suns are, you know, championship level good. Played, you know, played in the finals last year, had the best record in the league, like might be the best team in the NBA right now. Um, certainly were all regular season long and they look darn good again here in the postseason. And one thing the Suns do is they stay true to their identity. In this game against the Mavs, game two against the Mavs, Suns, Suns go up 2-0 in the series. DeAndre Ayton gets in foul trouble. Got an incredibly bogus fourth foul uh, when I... I truly believe Dwight Dwight Powell fouled him with his face. Fouled, uh, it, it really happened. But but DeAndre Ayton picks up his fourth foul. He's in foul trouble. They bring in JaVale McGee, backup center. He he already has four fouls when he checks in. He picks up an incredibly stupid fifth foul, closing out and jumping at a three-point shooter. Just close out with your hands high. This is like high school level close out. Just, just do it. Um, you know, no, le- no reason to leave your feet there. What are you going to do? Just be big. Uh, but JaVale picks up his fifth foul. And what the Suns do, and they're capable of going small. And I think a team that could kind of force them to go small, uh, we might see that. Like if they play if they play Golden State, it'd be fascinated to see what they do. If they play, um, you know, if they, if they play uh, Boston in the, in the finals, we're really getting ahead of ourselves here. Uh, they might be forced to also go, go to a smaller look at times. Although Boston plays at times two traditional bigs or two bigs. So we'll see. But like... A really good team that can play small and be punishing might force the Suns to go small, but they don't want to. They don't want to go small. So what do they do? They stay absolutely true to their identity. They say, DeAndre Ayton's out, we'll put another center. JaVale McGee's out, we'll put another center. We'll put in Bismack Biombo because all of the time, what we want to do is we want to run pick and rolls. We want a guy who rolls to the rim hard. That that rolling gravity matters to us. Our our you know, floor general, I was going to say best player, but Devin Booker's best player, but there are floor general. Chris Paul wants to run spread pick and roll. He wants to run pick and rolls, you know, either on the slot pick and rolls or pick and rolls in the middle of the court. He wants a traditional screener to roll to the rim. He doesn't want to play five out. So the Suns, where other teams say, hey, we're going to play all these different ways and show you all these different looks, scheme versatility and lineup versatility. The Suns say, we're true to our, true to our identity. And we've built a roster that allows us to play true to our identity the entire game. And there is something really commendable and special and important about that. And in light of the Blazers, it got me thinking. Damon Lord doesn't want to... Damon Lord is in, in some way similar to Chris Paul, and, and he just wants to do what he does. Like, Dame wants to run a pick and roll, and he wants to either, you know, accept the double team and get off, or he wants to, like, get off the ball, or or get downhill, or hit a pull-up three if you, if you sag a little bit. Like, he wants to manipulate the defense with a pick and roll. That is Dame's comfort level. He is great at it, one of the best in the league at running pick and rolls. Like, he's, he's absolutely elite and has been at it, has been one of the best pick and roll players for the last five seasons. Uh, The the numbers back it up, your eyeballs see it, all of those things. Like, so perhaps before the Blazers lean on scheme versatility, which I think you can still have a little bit, and, uh, and lineup versatility, maybe you just build a roster. If you have a guy like Dame, who much like his CP is like, just wants to do what they do, maybe building a roster that allows you to play to your strengths, play to your preferences all the way through, like, literally one through 15 or an active roster one through 12, like allows you to stay and do what you do and, and, and like 
continue that identity, maybe there's value there. The Suns weren't always like this. Like they had Dario Sarge. They went small. They, you know, they had Frank Kaminsky, who was kind of like a spacer at, at the five. Like they've, they've, they kind of made this commitment to go in this direction later in the season, right? Like they, um, this year, once, once they had to sign Bismack because of health things, like they've leaned into it, but leaning into it has unlocked letting them do what they do. And I think Dame has a little bit of that CP stubbornness and CP excellence. Like if, if your best player wants to play a certain way and also is one of the best players in the world at playing that certain way, there is some value in leaning into that. And so when the, when the Blazers are building this roster, um, I think versatility is going to matter for them. Uh, and I think you've you got to think about the ability to downsize and go small if you can, because there's real value in that. But if you don't, I think there's value in going the other way. And, and obviously the Suns are like this elite team and comparing the Blazers to that is like unfair and not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to think of like what, what the different ways you can construct a roster that wins. And I think versatility is incredibly important and really matters. But if you get, if you build it right, like if you crack the code and you just are so surgical and specifically what you want to do, being able to always do that has some real distinct value. Um, and particularly in light of kind of the way Dame operates versus and and, and in light of the way that uh, CP operates, I think there's I think there's some real truth to that. Uh, also, just like if the Blazers are going to play a bunch of Dame and Ant minutes, I don't think you want to build a uh, I don't think you want to build a defense that switches a whole bunch uh, because those guys are not going to be great in sw switchiness. So I think show and recover and kind of get back to your guy and don't switch, like stay home and don't switch as much is probably a better defensive scheme. But that's X's and O's for, for another time. We'll see what the Blazers rest of roster looks like before I kind of weigh in on what I think their defensive scheme should be like. But uh, yeah, I think playing to your identity, doing what you do best and then saying we're always going to do it on down the roster, there's value in it. And watching the Suns like put Bismack Biombo in, run run a pin down for him, or run a pin down for uh, Mikhail Bridges on the first play, and Mikhail just drops off to to Biz, and Biz gets a dunk. Like <laughs> it's um, you just you you see if you do what you do and you do it better than anyone else. You might as well do it all of the time. This is sort of the Mike D'Antoni philosophy that. Uh, reborn in the way that the Suns stay big because staying big works for them because it's what they want to do. All right, I want to close the show with this thought or a couple thoughts. Are the Blazers, how close are the Blazers getting back to the playoffs? How many How many West teams are, are do we think are like locks for the playoffs next year? What are kind of the, this is our postseason tier look at like where the Blazers stack up admittedly way too early. No, you know, we don't know whether they're going to pick. We don't know who they've picked. We don't know free agents. We don't know all of those things. So this is more of just like a big picture look, early look ahead at the West. That's what we'll do to uh, close the show. But first, let me tell you about rockauto.com, the family business that's been specializing, in helping do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, two decades of helping you save time and money, real money, 30, 50, even 100% more than if you go to a chain auto parts store, or if you go to a dealership. Those places, they're buildings. They can only carry so many parts for so many makes and models, but uh, Rock Auto doesn't have that problem. Uh, they are going to have all of the parts and then they're going to save you money. They're going to just, it's going to be cheaper. It's going to be faster. They're going to have the parts you need. Like I said, 30, 50, even 100% more than when you're going to those chain auto parts stores. They might not have the part. And if they do have the part, it might cost you more money. So don't waste your time. Go to rockauto.com right now. 
See all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. And that way they will know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Still a pass, first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. I've gone to the couch and I've come back with lessons from the playoffs. And the other thing I'm thinking watching these games uh, is where the Blazers stack up. Uh, this came up a bunch when the Minnesota Timberwolves were eliminated from the playoffs. They played a great first-round series against the uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies. Great. They, were, they led for something like 78% of the series. Like, they just blew leads at the end of games. Uh, bad teams lose, good teams win. It's kind of the nature of the playoffs. But they, they were literally winning most of the series, the majority of the series. The T-Wolves had had that one locked up uh, or had had a chance to win most of the series. They definitely didn't have it locked up. That would be uh, – we saw what happened. So it got me thinking when, when the T-Wolves ba- got bounced out, everyone's kind of like, oh, this is a funny – this always happens. Always happens with a team. It's like they get bounced out and you hear two words. Bright future, bright future, bright future, bright future, bright future, bright future. We got a bright future. There's a bright future. It's the future's bright. There's a bright future. The future's bright. The bright future. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe your future's bright for sure. And I, I really like Anthony Edwards. Carl Anthony Towns bounced back and had his, you know, after just two really difficult years in his personal life, had got back to all-star level, um, still has some deficiencies, but is just a wonderful offensive talent, particularly in that 82-game portion of the season. Uh, the, you know, the the T-Wolves have other young players like uh, Jaden McDaniels and Jared Vanderbilt. Um, they can get better, right? But always, always, some team that's in the playoffs this year will not be next year. And 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 typically, it'll be teams uh, like teams like we teams like Minnesota that maybe overachieve, you know, pick to win 35 games and win 46 and then they backslide a little bit and they win 42 next year but 42 doesn't quite get you in or 42 gets you to the play in and the play in luck you had, hey, it doesn't it just doesn't um it doesn't work out the same, right? Like it's just someone's going to backslide. So, someone someone jumps up, someone jumps down, that's how this works. So I'm thinking watching this game, and or I think watching the playoffs, and I'm thinking right after Minnesota's eliminated, right? They play a great series, but like, are they going to get back? Are they locked to be back here next year? All of the things they had to do to get here, to defy the odds and all of these things, are they going to get back? And if they don't get back, where does that put the Blazers? Or if they do get back, where does that put the Blazers? So the way I have it is I have five teams in the West right now that are just absolute locks to be in the playoffs next year. And I'm happy to be wrong because I'm recording this in May. Suns are going to be in. Grizzlies are going to be in. Warriors are going to be in. Mavs are going to be in. Nuggets are going to be in. I'm very, very confident in those five teams. I feel pretty good about the Clippers. Not great. Certainly not in my locks. Certainly not my locks, but I feel pretty good about the Clippers being that top six. I feel I feel pretty good about them. I, they were pretty good regardless. Um, you know, they they were six they were finished in finished in eighth and they were sixth games ahead of the ninth place team without uh Kawhi all year and with Paul George missing half the season. Like they were they were pretty good. Um you assume relatively good health from Paul George and any participation from Kawhi Leonard, I think this is like a team that straight up might be championship favorites when we start the season. But like, if nothing else, uh, a playoff team, right? Like, I think they could be in the top six. But the, the Kawhi stuff's murky. Paul George has had a lot of injuries. 
it is what it is. I think they're a, a step below. And then there's this the next group of teams, which uh, I think you could argue the Blazers can easily get to, but they just don't have enough players on the roster right now for me to put them in this tier. Wolves, Pelicans, Lakers. Um, the Lakers should be way better than this, but at some point, Father Time's going to catch up with LeBron James. You could argue it already has. I think I'm with you. I think he was still one of you know the five or eight best players in the league this year, but Anthony Davis never got rights. They've got to figure out what the hell they're going to do with Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, like it's, they have to be a competent NBA team before I I was too generous to them last year. I've learned my lesson. No more generosity towards a stinky Laker roster. Uh, no more benefit of the doubt. They got to figure it out. They're below. Um, the Wolves are there. Like they're good enough to be back, and they're going to be. You know, conceivably, they're going to have four guys on their team that are that that are better, right? If 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 four key guys on their team that are better, like if if improvement is linear, and and Anthony Edwards is looks like a super duper star in the making, like they've got a they've got a chance to just vault up there. If Ant really takes a step, like they're going to be great because Ant is capable um, of being a two way monster. Like his his ceiling is that high. And the Pelicans, like if they get Freaky Deaky Shack back in action to go along with that's Zion Williamson. If they get Freaky Deaky Shack back along with Brandon Ingram, along with CJ Ellaby, CJ Ellaby, my goodness, CJ McCollum. No disrespect. <laughs> that was just a slip of the tongue. No disrespect. Um, and Valentunas and Herb Brown and, and or Herb Brown. I, I don't know any of the Pelicans. <laughs> and Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado and, you know, and what Trey Murphy becomes. And if uh, Najee Marshall continues to develop, like I, they, they again, if if you believe that um, that progression is mostly linear, the Pelicans look like they're just, they're, they might even get a, you know, top 10 pick from the Lakers this year, or even, they're going to get a top 10 pick from the Lakers and even higher. Like they're, they might, they might have a chance to jump tiers. They also won 36 games this year, um, and I don't love their depth. Like, I like their depth pieces, but I don't think their depth is super, super, super duper reliable. Um, like, they're going to, they're a team that I would pencil to be in the bottom half of the playoffs, but I don't think they're a lock. And I think those three teams, so you've got your first five, six is the Clippers, and then those three teams is nine, and then it's 10th, the last playing spot. And I think the Blazers are just like straight up right now today in contention for the, for the 10th spot in the West, because last year it was like a, th- 34 wins got you 10th in the West. The uh, the Lakers won 33 games, Spurs won 34. Like, yes, I think the Blazers can piece together a 35-win team, like, immediately. I think Damian Lillard alone is a 35-win team. Um, if Dame plays 75 games, the Blazers can win 35 of those games. They're going to 35 and 40 in the 75 games Dame's play, I, Dame plays. I believe that, straight up. I think he's that good. Um, I, I think his offense is that scary, and I think he, he makes guys better because of how scary he is on offense and what a good passer he's grown into late in his career. Like, he's just a he's an offensive force. He's an absolute force. They're going to win 35 games. I think the Blazers right there right like today 10th with no upgrades there's something like the 10th best team in the west can they vault up ahead of wolves pelicans lakers i don't know can they vault up ahead of the clippers depends on health can they vault up in that top five probably not unless they make some big splashes i hope they do make some big splashes quite frankly i'd be i'd rather be talking about a blazers game right now than about a blazers future that doesn't start until october uh six more six months of this is not as fun as like a game three that we've been preparing for this weekend i personally I would prefer them to play a bunch of high leverage basketball in the spring. That is much more entertaining. So when you look, when I'm looking at the West, I feel like the lesson here I'm learning or like all of the lessons we've learned is 82 verse 16, the, the sort of 
There is value in playing your leaning into your style if you're if your star and your team are capable of doing that. If versatility isn't in, is isn't necessarily a choice, being who you are has real value. And then the last lesson is just like, damn, there's a bunch of good teams in the West. Damn it. Um it's you know, it's the bottom the bottom of the West is not, you know, the an overrated Hawks team in the Hornets. It's like the freaking Los Angeles Lakers and the team that Zion Williamson plays for. It's <laughs> it's brutal out there. Someone's going to stumble. I think the Blazers have a path forward for them. Uh, but I, doing this exercise, it, the journey is, is a rocky one to get there. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. Got a fun show planned for you Friday. This is, like I said, this is Thursday, May 5th show. You know because you're listening on Thursday because you listen every day as your first listen on all platforms. But come back Friday. Got a fun show planned. Uh, We'll talk about, I have some ideas for who should represent the Blazers at the draft lottery and a couple other things. So come back and join us. It's going to be a whole bunch of fun. Tell your friends to do the same. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.